You're listening to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast from Clear Creek Community Church, located in the Bay Area of Houston. Welcome everyone to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast. I'm Rachel. Thanks so much for joining us today. We've been talking in church about how to live a life of wisdom, and we always want to love those around us well. Today, I got to sit down with Bruce Wesley and Aaron Lutz, and we talked about the personality type framework, the Enneagram, what it is, and why we think it can be helpful as we love God and love others. Thanks, guys, so much for being here. I love it whenever I get any chance to sit down with either one of you. So thanks for being back on the Clear Creek Resources Podcast. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate the invitation. Yeah. So uh, we've been talking about wisdom and life lately, and we've also mentioned the Enneagram just sort of in passing a lot of times on this podcast. So we thought this was a good opportunity this summer to just take, you know, a little bit of a deep dive. What is the Enneagram? Why do some people in our church think it's useful? And how does that sort of fit in when you're a disciple of Christ? So before we do anything specific, let me just ask you, I mean, what is Enneagram? Because some people are like, it's astrology. We should stay away from it. Some people (laughs) use it to write devotionals. So what what are we even talking about? Yeah, I appreciate you mentioning both of those because I think those are extremes uh, on both ends. So Enneagram is really just a personality theory and it describes nine strategies by which people develop a worldview in the way that they relate to themselves and the way that they relate to others. Said more simply, it's a way to think about the differences in people in their personalities and motivations mm-hmm. in, in their life. And um, through the years, and, and by the way, I, I guess people don't really know where the Enneagram came from. Um, what I've read says it's been around since Pythagoras. Mm-hmm. And uh, we do know, though, it was popularized uh, in like 1915. And then in the 60s, um, the way it's drawn up in a graph and everything became you know, more popular uh, at that time. But it is, uh, I think, a, a helpful way to think about ourselves and the way we relate to others and to think about people in our life and how we can best serve them if we understand who they are better. Okay. So that's how it's helpful how we think about ourselves, self-awareness, and how we just love other people. Yes. So um, how, how does that look like for people who are disciples of Jesus? So if you are trying to be a disciple and you're trying to know yourself and love others, how, how does Enneagram sort of fit within that? Yeah, well, I think the self-awareness piece is a huge piece Mm -hmm. of our discipleship. You know, I mean, even if I'm going to accept myself as created in the image of God and, you know, you, Rachel, are created in the image of God and yet you're very gifted in ways that I'm not gifted. And I could think, you know, I, I am so lacking because I'm not like you when in reality... No, I got intended for you to be different than me and for us to be different than others. And so that self-awareness piece can help me lean into who God made me to be instead of trying to be someone I'm not. And I think that the Enneagram helps us uh, appreciate that in ourselves uh, and in others as well. Mm -hmm. It's how we talk about leadership, right? You have to know yourself in order to lead yourself. We do LDP stuff, our leadership development stuff. We start with self-awareness. Because you have to know yourself to lead yourself before you can lead your family, before you mm-hmm. can lead in the church, and all those kind of things. So uh, John Calvin has a, a quote, like, without knowledge of self, there is no knowledge of God. So if the intent is to grow in our knowledge of God, it's helpful for us to know ourselves and how God created us, and we're created in his image. And so uh, that's a helpful part of it, too. Yeah. 
So what can be harmful about the Enneagram? Because um, just like with anything else, um, it can be really helpful or it can be harmful. Sure. So what, what, are the, what can that look like? Yeah, I, I think it can be really harmful when we start just imposing things on other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we were talking earlier and uh, talking about how some people will name you as a, you know, you're a three and you're mm-hmm. a five and you're an eight. And of course, with that comes a whole truckload of assumptions about mm-hmm. you, which may or may not be true. And before you know it, something that's intended to help us understand one another uh, has become the very thing that's keeping us from understanding one another because of all these false assumptions. Uh, so it, it's not going to replace having real relationships mm-hmm. and getting to really know each other, but it should um, become a tool to help that happen if it's used properly. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing that comes to my mind. Yeah, we can always weaponize anything. Right. Exactly. Yeah, say, oh, you're just being a three. Right. Puts and that, that just box. implies something negative. I was going to say. Just another like, weapon yeah, in my arsenal now. I, I yeah. like being a three, but yeah, mm-hmm. as, you, as you say, is weaponized. Yeah. Um, I think there's danger if we make it too inward focusing, if it turns mm-hmm. into just navel gazing. Like, I want to know more about me and it stays there versus mm-hmm. like knowledge of self leads to knowledge of God. I think that's could be some harm. Uh, I think the, the other harm is like in every personality type, when you start studying this, there's um, like unhealthy tendencies of every personality type or things that those types tend to avoid. And so at times it can become an excuse to be Mm -hmm. a jerk. It can be an excuse to be lazy. It can be an excuse to whatever that unhealthy tendency of that specific type is. And just because you are in that type or that number doesn't mean you have license to be a jerk or to live in unhealthy ways. Right. Right. Yeah. I also think that... um, Sometimes if we get too intense about it, like you're saying, if we it's, if it's too high, if we really turn it into some sort of idol or something that really is a spiritual discipline when it's not, right. that can be harmful too. Sure. Because the Enneagram is helpful, but it's not the Word of God. Right. You know, it's not God's Word to us. It is not the Holy Spirit working in us. You know, we can't just depend upon the Enneagram to, you know, be transformed. Yeah. You know, it doesn't begin or end there. So I it, think that can happen. It is neither neither authoritative nor predictive mm. because sometimes, you know, people think, well, you know, I'm a three. So they say, you're a three and they can predict how I'm going to behave. Mm. And that actually, that's not true at all. I think we will really be surprised uh, if we try to treat it as a predictive tool in our relationships. So how else does this uh, fit in for disciples of Jesus? How does it fit in with discipleship within our church? Why don't you start with, (laughs) you shared an idea that I I hope you'd share with everyone else. Okay. Well, um, for me, one way to think about this, which hopefully is helpful for people in our church, is to think about our spiritual growth grid, Mm -hmm. which I hope everyone knows about. Um, if you haven't, it's online and it's in all of our devoted books. Um, but basically, when, you be, when we become disciples of Jesus and we're trying to have spiritual growth, we begin with who God is. So it's this growth grid and there's three identities of God and then three storylines that come from who God is. So the first one, I'll just use that as an example. So um, God is um, our king. And he calls us, that's his activity, to be citizens of his kingdom. And because we're citizens of his kingdom, we listen and obey. So that's who we are as the people of God. That's who we are as disciples of Jesus. And that's, that's it. That is uh, fundamental to who we are. That's where our identity is. So where the Enneagram fits in that isn't our identity. You know, I'm an Enneagram 3. 
And so that informs my activity. No, it's I'm a citizen in God's kingdom. So I listen and obey. But the Enneagram helps us when we get to that part. What does it look like for Aaron or Bruce to listen and obey? Well, um, you all have different struggles. You know, I... I can read God's word, which is how I listen to God, one way I listen to God. Um, but for me, the struggles that come with obeying are different. Sure. Mm-hmm. And so it helps me to sort of work out that part of it. So it's just one tool that's helpful in that space. Yeah, right. So we don't want to put it in the identity space. We want to keep it there. It's a tool that helps us as God transforms us. Yeah. I, I like how you said it's one tool. And yeah. I think we'll, we will continue to say that. It's just one tool. Yeah. It's one tool. And it's maybe one tool for a lot of purposes, but it's just one of many tools. And so to keep it in its rightful place, uh, we can see it that way. And if it's a tool that can help us learn to, to, disin- uh, to, to listen and obey better uh, because of the way we are wired, if it's a tool that helps us see some of the dark side of our particular... Um, makeup, mm-hmm. uh, then I think that's that's a helpful thing. You know, with with discipleship, it's always about three relationships. You know, at least three. It's about a relationship we have with Jesus, the relationship that we have with ourselves, and the relationship that we have with other people. And so, I think the Enneagram helps us with two of those. You know, how we better understand ourselves, and then how we better relate to other people as a disciple of Jesus. And sometimes I think we leave this out. You know, we think discipleship's all about learning these disciplines. It's me and Jesus, and we're just going to walk together. But it's really more about how we, in a community of people, follow Jesus. And so it's because we're walking in a community, it's one tool that helps us better understand how to relate to people in that community so that we can make sure that um, we are taking into consideration the unique way that God's created them and not imposing ourselves in our own way mm-hmm. on someone else as they follow Jesus or as we follow Jesus together. I think um, one thing that I just want to emphasize in what you said, um, not the most important thing, but just one thing is that it's how we're created uniquely. So those are, I think, sort of the strengths, but mm-hmm. then also um, sort of our struggles too. So the Enneagram can help us to identify both of those things. How did God create us uniquely so that we can love and serve well or be on mission well? But also, what are we struggling with that's unique to us that we don't impose on other people either, um, but we acknowledge, like you said, Aaron, for self-awareness so that we can move forward. It's both. Yeah. Which is helpful. You know, so much of Enneagram has to do not just with the behavior, but with the motivation for that behavior. Mm-hmm. That's why the, one of the reasons you can't typecast somebody, because you don't know the internal motivation that may lead to the same behavior of across different types. Um, but those motivations also determine how you interact with people. And so uh, the worldview of the way I see things as a as a three, for example, is different than the way my wife sees things as a nine. Mm-hmm. And so to, to assume that everybody sees the way the world the way that I do is unhealthy. And for her to do the same thing would be unhealthy. But when we're in a church family, it's like being in a regular family. Like we have to consider the way other people see the world, the way that they're interacting, the way that they're receiving conflict or criticism. Or uh, But that's the beauty of the church is mm-hmm. not everybody's the same. Mm-hmm. We, we play different roles and we complement each other. And it's this diversity of gifts and diversity of personalities that make us a really beautiful picture of the church. And so uh, I think that's another part of discipleship is how we interact with each other uh, and the different worldviews and different personalities we bring to the table. Oh, yeah, I love that. It gives us empathy sure. and appreciation for differences. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So empathy, whenever we don't, we didn't really understand it before, that's been a huge help for me yeah. is to just have empathy for the people around me who are different because we yeah. sort of assume people react and think like we do. 
Exactly. Turns out they don't. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the tendency of every personality type, right? Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. Everybody sees it the way I do. It's just not reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Ian, Ian Morgan Cron says, you know, there are nine normal types, yeah. you know? Yeah. Because yeah. there are nine types. And yeah. so everyone's normal yeah. in that sense. Yep. And I also liked what you said um, that this is about motivation. Mm-hmm. So we don't want to type people, which that's part of what, what we do when we weaponize it. Um, because sometimes how we're acting doesn't necessarily demonstrate what our motivations sure. are. Yeah. And this is only helpful if we're looking at our heart mm-hmm. for real transformation and really loving other people. And so we can't you know, judge people based on what they're doing all right. the time. Yep. That's really important, I think. So what about for y'all individually? Um, I know you've both, to different degrees, looked at the Enneagram or even just other personality tests. Why has this been helpful for you specifically? Yeah, I think I started interacting with it because of conversations with friends, right? So like when the Road Back to You book came out, like that was just kind of came across the Protestant Christian world, you know, landscape all at the same time, became really popular. So there's a lot of dinner party conversations about types. I'm like, I want to know <laughs> what this is about. So I read the book before I really even took a test. Um, and so that was helpful for me. But then I got into a small group really with Bruce. Uh, we talked about just self-awareness, got to know yourself to lead yourself. And so we did a whole page of uh, self-awareness stuff where Enneagram was one of those tools, mm-hmm. right? We did the disc profile and Myers-Briggs and other ways that we know ourselves to lead ourselves. Um, so that's how I have engaged with it. Uh, but it's been helpful to see the motivations that cause me to act the way that I do and keep some of those in check. Yeah. Uh, for me, I, I came across Enneagram just through conversations with friends. And uh, we enjoy longevity of staff. Mm-hmm. And so our executive team, um, you know, so many guys have been here for so long, which is awesome. I think maybe our church doesn't know how um, beneficial that is really to us. And uh, actually, I was just in a lunch with some guys, and we were talking about longevity, and they're going, wow, y- y'all just have the ability then to just run because, you know, you're not kind of onboarding people all the time. And um, and I think that's true. But I looked around one day, and I thought, you know, we all love each other like brothers, and we're fighting like brothers. And so we need to take some time to understand each other better, to figure out why it is that we uh, engage so uh, so adamantly, but sometimes in ways that are uh, unaware of or insensitive to the other person. So we brought in some guys um, to help us with that, and one of the things they did was Enneagram. So they you know did the Enneagram type for all of us and helped us understand when we're making decisions, when we're resolving conflicts, all that kind of thing, how our differences come to play uh, in that. And it was very helpful. And about that same time, uh, Susan was reading The Road Back to You, which is a book about the Enneagram. And so in our journey then, that's kind of what got us into investing energy and in, in knowing what it's all about. And so now uh, I use Enneagram when I'm helping develop people in their leadership, uh, as Aaron said, because you got to know yourself to lead yourself and you got to lead yourself to lead others. I found that it's um, really helpful in marriages as well. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. We helped with re-engage uh, one semester and there's one chapter on expectations and understanding. And 
for me, as we were working through that, one of the one of the best tools again was the Enneagram for people, because even with our spouses, you know, you're reacting and responding in all these situations, and you're just again assuming you have this expectation that your spouse has the same worldview, mm-hmm. and they really don't, no matter how long you've been together or how sensitive you are. And so I have found that is really helpful in marriage. It's not going to save your marriage, sure. but it can help you um, just to grow in humility mm-hmm. and love your spouse better. Yep. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Yeah. And with friendship. You know, I've got friends who I'm like, why do you do, like, why are you mad? I don't even know what you're mad about or upset about. Yeah. And even for that, it's just, it's just helpful. Yeah. Just helpful for understanding the person across from you yep. who you want to love. Mm-hmm. What about for you? Has it been a good tool for your marriage and friendship? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's helped me understand my wife. Um, so the tendencies I have as a three uh, to be competitive, she doesn't have that same tendency, right? Yeah. The desire to have goals and set and have ambition, she doesn't share those things. And that doesn't make her abnormal, mm-hmm. right? It makes her a lot more of a sweetheart than I am because she's a lot more kind and gracious in ways that I, I wouldn't be. And so, uh, yeah, I think we complement each other really well. Mm-hmm. It's funny, when we take these different kind of personalities, even disprofile Myers-Briggs, we are the exact opposite in everything. And I really see that as a grace gift um, really for ministry, like, cause she fills in some gaps that I don't, I think I'm a better pastor because I have my wife who compliments my gifts in a way that, uh, that I'm not complete without mm-hmm. her in that spot. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that. And that's what it takes. It takes understanding to mm-hmm. get to the point of appreciation, yeah. to really being able to appreciate your wife and what she brings, what God has given you in her. Sure. So let's talk about threes yeah. because spoiler alert, you, bu- you guys both mentioned it, <laughs> but you are Enneagram threes. So uh, one of you tell me just a little bit about what it looks like to be an Enneagram 3. It's the achiever. Is that right? It's There's the a couple achiever. different titles. Or the titles. performer. That tends to be one of those titles <laughs> I don't like that well. title. Yeah, I, don't say, let's I like achiever better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's like the success-oriented, uh, image conscious. They value productivity, value efficiency and effectiveness, uh, tend to avoid failure, um, can be really ambitious and organized. Uh, but it's a goal-oriented tends to be pretty, pretty prominent. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I wouldn't change any of that. You know, and I said I don't like the performer, but I, I think uh, threes are performers in the sense that we're always wanting to achieve. Mm-hmm. So in, in our own minds, we are always working toward a goal. And so it feels like uh, we're always on, you know, as opposed to um, I, I think some other uh, types just are able to relax mm-hmm. and um, I don't mean we can't relax at all, but I mean, you know, because we're always focused on a goal, every conversation, everything that we do, all, you know, in our minds is about, are we using time efficiently, resources efficiently to see that goal become a reality? And of course, as pastors, um, that's about the mission of God in the world. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking, sorry, I'm pausing because I'm thinking through, because even this, I'm like, I'm not a three. So I'm thinking <laughs> through what, what is that like to sort of that's what you're constantly thinking about when, when you work through the Enneagram, do you, do you know why? Cause we say the Enneagram is helpful for the why, do you know why it is you think like that? Or has it just helped you to know that that's really how I'm thinking? So it helps to explain what you're doing. Does, does that make sense? It probably does. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know how to answer the question. Yeah. I, I guess I, I've always known that I was driven 
Mm-hmm. And you know, so it's driven a positive word or a negative word because mm-hmm. it's used both ways, right? right. And as in an Enneagram three, I think it's a positive mm-hmm. word. I, I hear it as a positive word, and I think other types would would not necessarily hear it that way. And it, I I feel um, I guess inspired by having something to live for that when I wake up every day, I am driven to see that happen. Mm-hmm. And it feels like a gift, a gift to see um, see what is, but also see what can be. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that others, um, they see things that are, that are broken, that need to be cared for, or someone who needs to be loved. And it's not like I never see that. That's all part of this bigger picture, though, so that that's not ever... The primary focus is this grander picture of what the people of God can be doing in the world uh, as the people of God. And so um, for me, the I guess the why is to to see that vision become a reality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does that answer your question? Or yeah, sure, it does. Yes, I really am just learning. That's my goal because... It's new for me, really. Um, my husband's not a three and I'm not. And so to hear from your perspective is just helpful. It's funny you mentioned the word driven can be used positively or negatively. I got in an argument with somebody on our staff one time about the word ambitious, mm-hmm. whether that was a positive or negative thing. And I'm like, I see that as a really positive thing. Like, I want to have ambition and drive. And like, why wouldn't you? And him not being a three did not come to that same conclusion. That and is so, so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I can definitely see, see that. Yes. Yeah, so I, I think the dark side of being a three is, um, you know, commonly we're seen as people who are more concerned about our image than we are about other people, for instance. Um, and it, we definitely, I think, do deal with image issues. You know, by by that I mean, uh, as the performer, we we feel this burden to be an example at all times, mm-hmm. right? And uh, if you're always trying to be an example, it feels like you're always on a stage and, you know, there's a lot of pressure uh, in, in life. Um, and in that struggle, I think we sometimes put a whole lot more pressure on ourselves than we should. And it, be- it can become overwhelming uh, at times. You know, speak to that. Yeah, I agree with all of that. Um, I think projects can come, uh, become more important than people. It's like, man, I need to get the ball to that goal line, and I'm going to do everything as effectively and efficiently to win and get it there. Uh, I can lose track that there are people between me and that goal line. And so I'm conscious of that, though. I think that's one of the things this has really helped with is like I have to be aware and ask questions of the people around me. I don't want to be a lone wolf. I don't want to try and take all this on by myself. I want to be a team player. So I tend to ask a lot of questions of people around me because I'm aware of that. I think the other dark side of it for me is uh, a tendency towards restlessness. You mentioned that earlier. Like, it's hard for me to sit still. It's hard for me just to not be doing something. So when when COVID hit and quarantine, that was the worst because I didn't Mm -hmm. have something I could go achieve, you know? So I joke, like, you know, Sunday mornings at East 96, we set up and tear down every Sunday. So I'm moving chairs every Sunday. The first Sunday we didn't have church. I'm like, I need to go rearrange all the furniture in my house. Like, (laughs) I have to have something to do to get ready for church. And so uh, restlessness can be one of the dark sides for me too. Yeah, I use the example of the word driven can be positive or negative. Uh, I'll give you another one is uh, being competitive. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. I'm very competitive. 
And some people, they say that to me in a derogatory tone. It's like, you're so competitive. Why are you not? Thank you. Yes, I am. I love that about me. (laughs) Yeah, me too. And I don't love everything about me, but that I I really like. And it's true, though. I mean, even since I was a child, I just want to win, you know? And there is a dark side of that, obviously. Um, If you have to win at all costs, that's a dark thing. If competitiveness is all about conquering someone else, that's a dark thing. So it, it can be either side. But I think threes deal with competitiveness. And in that competitiveness, though, like talk about motivations or what shape us. I can remember in competing, uh, playing shortstop in Little League, and I had a coach tell me, if you can't get the job done, I'll find somebody who can. Hmm. Dude, that motivated me. I'm like, I can get the job done. I'm, I'm competitive. I'm going to win. And so I worked really hard so I could do that. But the dark side of that becomes you're only as loved as your last success, right? So in a position as a performer, it's like, man, if I don't perform well, what is that? What is people's perception of me? And so every sermon's got to be, I have a dream. And every you know, project I work on has to be really, really good. That can be a really dark side. When, when my identity becomes about that performance, that's an unhealthy place. But again, I'm aware of that. So mm-hmm. I have to be uh, in community and check that with people that I know and love and trust. Yeah, that was my next question. So you're talking a little bit about the hard parts of it. And you said in community, and I ask questions, Mm -hmm. what does, tell me a little bit more about that. What what does that look like? Because to be aware, then then what happens? Then what do you do with this, you know, Enneagram self-awareness? Yeah, I I mean, I think that's the benefit of working on a team. Like Bruce talked about earlier, we have longevity with a whole bunch of guys on our staff, and we have a diversity of of personality types on our staff. And so uh, I, I cannot operate as a lone wolf even if I wanted to. And so I have guys on a team that I can check with, but also I just have friends. Like I've learned I need a couple of really close friends that I can be completely myself with, not somebody I have to be on for, um, I think that can be an occupational hazard as a, as a pastor at times where I feel like, man, I've got to be the pastor in this room, not mm-hmm. just a friend. But, man, I need some people I, that I don't have to be on for, that just know me completely, uh, that can call out my stuff. And some of that is me confessing sin, but also just dark parts of my personality, right? Uh, and then addressing those things, like not just being aware and then using that as an excuse to be a jerk or to run over people to try to win, but, uh, but being you know, humble enough to make changes in my, my life if I'm called out on something. Make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Same yeah. for you? Same, same thing, just confession and submission of those things? You know, what does it look like when you realize, okay, I'm in this space that's three and it's maybe causing harm or it's not good? Um, ask me the question again. <laughs> so what do you do with your self-awareness? Okay, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what I've realized with my self-awareness, I have to tone everything down because if uh, I remember I was in a conversation with a, a church planner one time, and I'm going to characterize the way he said this, but it's, I'm really saying it just like he said. I'm talking to him about the significance of church planning and what why this matters so much. And he said, dude, you're just so intense. <laughs> <laughs> and I've heard that most of my life that I'm just so intense because what happens is when we're on task, okay, not if we're, you know, sitting around chatting about lunch, but I mean, if we're on task, that drive, you know, it comes up in me and I have to moderate that or I will tend to push people away because I will overwhelm them with my, uh, my drivenness. So that's part of that self-awareness thing. Um, 
on a spiritual development level, I mean, this whole idea that threes feel like you're on a stage and, you know, we're driven to get things done and how people see us really matters a lot to us. I mean, that's just something we just die to, right? I mean, just in our prayers, we just confess that to the Lord and we just say, you know, I know this is not about me. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I want to die to what other people think about me because I can't be alive to you if I'm always thinking about what other people are thinking about me. And so for me, that's been part of the process of what, what do I do with what I know mm-hmm. about being a three. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about being driven, being competitive. Both of those things require, uh, I, I think they can be gifts if they're submitted to the Lord, mm-hmm. if there's some sanctification around them so that we are competitive in the right ways. You know, it's not about us, you know, or we're, um, we're driven to, to see the things of, of God really mm-hmm. become a reality in our lives and the lives of other people. So those are just some ways that come to mm-hmm. mind. I think that that speaks to probably, I hope, every number that we're going to talk to over the next mm-hmm. couple of weeks how all of the weaknesses can be strengths because it's really all the same personality traits. Mm-hmm. It's just, are you focused on yourself? You know, is it sinful? Are you alone in it? Or mm-hmm. are you confessing it in community and with God and submitting it to, you know, the gospel? Sure. Yeah. And then, then it turns into a good gift. And that is what I think is amazing about this mm-hmm. is you're, you're saying the same things can be bad or can be for God's kingdom, sure. right. which is pretty amazing. Exactly. Exactly. I think one of the things about being a three that I, I didn't realize this uh, is funny. Aaron and Ryan, Leighton and I, he, Ryan Leighton's a three also. Mm-hmm. We were talking about being a three one time, and, and Ryan made this joke about how you know threes have a tendency to um, have you know sat at the cool table, you know, been the class president, you know, all this kind of stuff. And Ryan says, which means most people really hated you. you know? <laughs> and I thought, you know, that's so perceptive. Um, and from the perspective of the three, I think there is a sense of th- that's part of the pressure, right? It's, it's like, can you, can you keep this? Because uh, sometimes it feels like a ruse. I think all of us feel like in some ways we're, we're all trying to be, right? Mm-hmm. We're, we're wannabes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and by the way, I think that's okay, you know, for everyone who's listening, it's okay to be, I want to be godly, and yet I know the parts of me that are really not godly at all. And uh, when we understand this about ourselves, uh, that maybe people don't like some parts of us because we've, we've been the golden child in, in some things, uh, it is, again, something that I think we have to submit to the Lord, die to the fears of that, you know. I... Uh, I want to share with you some of what uh, Ryan O'Neill, you know, so for our audience, uh, Ryan O'Neill is an artist called Sleeping at Last. That's his stage name or whatever. And he's written a a song for each of these um, Enneagram numbers. And for the, the song about Enneagram threes, he starts out, he says, maybe I've done enough. Because by the way, threes are really about doing and that's one of the weaknesses of threes, is we're about doing more than we're about being. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that every three has bad character. It just means that given to our, just to ourselves, we're going to find some sense of identity in doing, mm-hmm. right? So that's why it starts out, maybe I've done enough, and your golden child grew up. And maybe this trophy isn't real, because threes love to win. 
with or without it, I'm good enough. Maybe I've done enough. Finally catching up. For the first time, I see an image of my brokenness utterly worthy of love. Because threes, a lot of times, find their sense of self and the sense of being loved and all the things that we've done and the trophies that we've won. And, you know, when you then look at all of that in light of the gospel, you know, that's meaningless. You know, the Apostle Paul called that dung, and I think he actually used a different word than mm-hmm. that, you know? And so we, we then come to say, no, this is, this is where I, I find fullness of being loved is in the gospel of Jesus and not in all that I've done and the trophies that I've won. And so there's a, anyway, it's a beautiful song, um, especially if you're a three, you know, it'll make you cry because it'll make you feel understood. All of those songs are really, really good. And we will link to those songs with all the podcast because um, they're really helpful and they're really, really good. Just good music too. Yeah. Yeah. So that just makes me want to ask, and Aaron, you can say anything else in response to that too, uh, but how, how do we love threes well? Because I've listened to that song and it broke my heart. You know, I mean, you, you just, I think with every song, you just want to, you just want to hug the person and be like, <laughs> this is not true of you. And, you know, so how do we love the threes in our life? Well, they're, like you said, they're, they're easy to love and to hate probably because they're all, every three I know is awesome and accomplished and all the things. And you, you forget that they really need to be seen and loved. So how do we do that? Well, it's interesting you use the word love. You talk about even love languages as well. So threes tend to have a love language of words of affirmation because it's like building them up. So as a three, like I, I need people to encourage me with. So like, mm-hmm. so my wife knows like a words of affirmation is more important than any gift she could ever give me, right? But at the same time, I need her to humble me at times as well. So like uh, in our vows, I had to look it up this week to see exactly what she said. In our vows, we just celebrated our 14th wedding anniversary. That's why I looked this up. Uh, but she said, I will live my life to encourage you and sometimes humble you but That's, always support you. That is perfect. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> yes. For a three, I need that. I need both yeah. sides of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's one of the ways you can help some threes. Yeah. Uh, just to chime in to that, I, I tell this story. When uh, when I first got a, a computer, I had a computer game. I'm not a gamer, but I got a <laughs> computer game. It's a golf game that I played. And uh, it when you hit a good shot, the crowd would cheer <laughs> And then the announcer would say, good shot. And I was playing this golf game all by myself one day, and I thought, that feels good. (laughs) This is silly. But then I thought, and I've used this phrase with people a lot, I've said, I'm particularly susceptible to encouragement. Uh Mm -hmm. So I I do think that's true. I think threes need that encouragement. And I guess the partner to that is we need people in our life that – they relate to us not based on our role, yeah. but on our person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as a pastor, everywhere I go, I'm the pastor of Clear Creek Community Church, and that's okay. I get that. Okay, I'm good with that. But I have to – I'm, I'm grateful for those people in my life that even if I wasn't the pastor of Clear Creek Community Church, they would be in the same room with me, having the same conversation with me, loving me the same way. So I have to have those people in my life in order to stay healthy. Otherwise, I, I get back onto that treadmill of trying to earn love all the time. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. So I'm so grateful for 
it's really a, a large group of people who do love me that way. Mm-hmm. Thankful for all of them. You know, um, yeah. it's sorry. No, okay. It's just interesting for me to hear again from your perspective because when you, when you hear, I need, an, I appreciate encouragement. I need it, mm-hmm. and when I hear clapping, I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm an eight. I'm a different number. Um, but for me, I I actually you you would sort of assume everybody wants that, but I actually am more motivated when people um, are like, you can't do it. Mm-hmm. Than oh you did great like more like oh I don't think you can do this that is motivating to me and so you think everybody would want the applause but really we're all really different so even understanding that that really is helpful for you is helpful yeah it's good yeah and and you're right I mean what what I just said is you know I responded to that applause and uh, I guess I I don't want people to think that I. I really don't seek applause at mm-hmm. all, sure. but I do appreciate encouragement. I appreciate if if there's a word to be said that can build up, mm-hmm. I appreciate that. And I really, it's not just about me. It is about me some, but it's about the culture, a whole community, mm-hmm. you know. So I know that when I get encouraged, chances are other people around me are getting encouraged too. And again, I'm thinking of the end game. The end game has to do with what kind of community are we? What kind of people are we becoming so that we're about the mission of God in the world and not about one of the thousand other things mm-hmm. that churches can become about, you know? Yeah. I was going to go back to some of the friendship stuff. I had some of the very same things in mind. Uh, one of the thoughts is like, I have a lot of friends, but I have a few very close friends that I can be very vulnerable with. Now, I want to be authentic in front of everybody, but I'm going to be completely transparent with a few that I can really trust. I think trust is big for threes. So that was another way I think mm-hmm. you can help threes. Another thought I had was just uh, we're talking about the dark side, restlessness, and you can be overworked and driven. I need rhythms of silence and solitude in my life to be a healthy three. And so uh, one of the things my wife knows is like she can help me protect those rhythms of, of quiet time and alone time with the Lord uh, to reset, to remind myself that I'm dependent on him, that I can't do all of this on my own. I'm not driven enough to accomplish everything. And my identity isn't in accomplishing all those things. My identity is in a, as a citizen or as a son of God. And so mm-hmm. those rhythms of silence and solitude are helpful too. Um, I was going to say this after Bruce spoke and you said it too. Um, one thing that I really appreciate about the Enneagram as a tool is that there are levels of healthiness. Mm-hmm. So every three doesn't look the same for lots of reasons because sure. we're all really different. But also, um, you know, you can be an average three who's struggling. You can be someone who is really, you know, um, embedded in sin and and struggling a lot. Or you can be someone who is centered in the gospel and who is a mature disciple of Jesus. And it looks completely different. And your motivations actually do change. Mm -hmm. So it might look similar. You know, you might be on the stage. You might have that vision casting. But... But why you're doing it and how you're doing it looks completely different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Talk about unhealthy versus healthy. One of the things that uh, Ian Crone talks about is the difference between uh, wanting to win as an individual and wanting the team to win. Mm-hmm. The really healthy three sees that in himself and wants the whole team to win. And you care not about just your dreams, but about helping other people accomplish their goals and their dreams. And so uh, talk about average, healthy or unhealthy. I think Bruce is a really healthy three in that like he's one of the best people to work with and for because he wants the team to win, not just him to win. And he surrounds himself with a whole bunch of leaders that we can do that together. So. Well, thank you, Aaron. You're I welcome. appreciate you saying that. Yeah, man. 
Yeah, I agree. I was having a conversation with you recently and you said, you're gonna have to trust me that I'm not, you know, just saying this. And I was like, I should have said right then, I've never seen anything false in you. Mm. You know, because sometimes threes sort of get the reputation of not being true, of being false. And I agree. You guys are both really healthy threes and we're so grateful to have that sort of example. You're you're kind of say that, you know, I think I have the advantage of being my age and, and being wounded, right? So um, pain has such a powerful impact in our lives. And kind of like when we were talking about drivenness and competitiveness, it can go either way. We can become better people or that pain can um, temper some of the um, kind of the dark side of the way we're wired or our sin patterns or, or whatever. And I, I think pain has done that for me. Um, my kids laugh and they say, oh, dad, you've mellowed so much, you know, Mm -hmm. and I don't think they, I don't see that mellowing being purely age thing, uh, an age thing. I think it's, um, it's, my mind has changed about kind of what the end game, uh, is that we're, we're working for, right? So threes motivated, be effective, efficient. But the end game, if it is to be this people of, of God that reflect his kingdom and his character, um, and I don't even say that it sounds like I'm so holy or whatever, but and I know I'm not, but I am driven to that. You know, So what I'm driven to has changed, I guess, is what I'm saying. And uh, there was a day I was much more concerned about how, was, how I was perceived and what I was going to achieve in my life. And, uh, and I think pain has helped me temper some of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I, I don't know. It, maybe that's true for everyone who has, uh, you know, the dark side of a personality or a sin pattern that, uh, that pain can be helpful yeah. in that way. Pain is another tool. We don't always want it. Yeah. Yeah. It certainly is, though. I, I think that's helpful for every number too, though, because all these numbers we're going to be talking with, um, that end game, whether it's you're driven to it or you're helping towards it or whatever it is that is your motivation or your drive, that changes everything. Mm-hmm. And so we all hopefully as disciples have the same end goal, but we just, you know, we use our personalities and gifts and struggles in a different way, yeah. which is amazing. It is. I- I love hearing people talk about Enneagram, not for Enneagram's sake, but because I think about people in my life, and my mind always goes to the beautiful side of what they bring to the table, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. uh, whether you're talking about a, a three or an eight like you, Rachel, you know, who, you know, powerful people who help us um, help push against things that need to be pushed against, you know, and I think eights oftentimes uh, do that, and uh, threes may be trying to figure out a way to get around the wall, but we're not thinking <laughs> about pushing it down, you know. <laughs> what is the three superpower? What What is it? Mm. Uh, I think optimism, resiliency uh, are some superpowers of threes. I think even just being uh, having big dreams and be able to inspire people mm-hmm. to go do that. So uh, vision casting can be a superpower of a three. Uh, I think those are some of them. Yeah, I think so. I agree. Keeping... Keeping our eye on the ball, keeping our eye on the finish line. Focus, yeah. um, I think those are superpowers of threes, where we um, 
we look at everything going on around us in light of that. You know, and and that's why the warning is: well, you may be not being aware of what's going on in that person's life because you're just seeing them in terms of how they can help impact the the end goal. And it's true. So uh, our superpower has a dark side. Sure. But uh, but the but your dark side has a superpower. There you go. <laughs> you know, that's how it works. Yeah. So is there anything else that you guys would just want people to understand about threes? Or if someone is a three, like this is what we would want for you before we sort of wrap up. Yeah, for me, I would say I want every three to know that um, that you are just so loved by the Lord and by his people. And you're loved not because of anything you do or any trophy in your life, anything you have, um, or the way you look, because threes are really focused on the, the way they look, um, but your love for who you are, and to lean into just being loved by God. Mm-hmm. Believe all those people who look you in the eye and they tell you they love mm-hmm. you. Believe all of them, uh, because every time that we receive love this way, we are... Um, we are keeping the enemy from uh, the enemy's lies uh, away from stealing from us and and from God's people. Yeah, the gospel impacts every personality type differently, but that is one of the big ones for me. It's like, I'm loved not because of what I do, but because of who I am and who God's called me to be, not because of anything that I did on my own. I think when I realized that, the gospel took a hold in my life uh, in a much different way. Mm -hmm. So in threes to know that too. So do you guys have any resources you would suggest for people who are just starting with Enneagram who are like, okay, I want to know more about this, or even if you think there's something that's particularly good for a three, we can link to those with the podcast too. Yeah, I mean, I think Ian Crone, how do you say his last name? I think it's Crone. I think it's Crone too. Uh, Road Back to You is obviously a big one, but uh, I, I enjoyed Andy Stanley's podcast where he interviewed him. Uh, as a leader, I appreciated that, just mm-hmm. how to think through making decisions and uh, how to lead with other people in the room, working on a team. That was really helpful for me. We can link to that as well. Yeah, especially if listeners are, are leading a team. I think those two podcasts, uh, it's a two-part thing, but it's not long, uh, would be very helpful. Uh, I made reference to Crosspoint Ministry, these people that came in and helped us mm-hmm. in the journey, uh, at crosspointministry.com slash Enneagram. There are tools if you want to take an Enneagram profile and, and get some more information about Enneagram. That was great. Thank you. Well, thank you both for being here and just a little glimpse into your, your world and your ministry. Grateful for both of you. Awesome. Thank you, Rachel. Thanks. So thanks for listening, you guys. We're going to listen to someone who's a four and a five next. We'll see you then. Thank you guys so much for listening today. I hope this conversation was helpful. If you want to watch the video of this podcast or share it with a friend, you can find it at clearcreekresources.org, where you can also find articles, music, and a lot more. Again, I'm Rachel. Thanks so much for joining us today.